Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. I'm excited about this weekend, guys, and it's going to be a it's going to be a amazing weekend with the Lord. I always look forward to these to these weekends, and um, I really feel like just praying over this weekend. Um, I really feel like the Lord just wanted to say, "Just be," and that's going to be different for each one of you, and what that looks like. But He just wants to be with you, and so this weekend, just be. And allow yourself to just be with the Lord. All right. Um, so I just want to spend just a little bit. And by the way, my name's Jake. For those who don't know me, um, but I just want to spend a minute talking about Jesus's love for you. All right. And if I had to give my talk a title, I would call it "The Disciple That Jesus Loves." All right. And. Well, you know, how, you know how pastors, like, a lot of times when they get up and give a sermon, they'll, they'll start off with some, like, funny story to relate to whatever the sermon's saying? Um, tonight, I could not think of a story, so you guys don't get a story, okay? Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure that out, so we're just going to jump right in, okay? So tonight, I simply want to talk about how much Jesus loves you and how important that is for us to correctly see ourselves as a disciple that Jesus loves. How important that is for us to actually realize that. And so tonight, especially those who may have been, have been a Christian for a long time, we can be like, we can blow that off. We'll be like, oh yeah, I know Jesus loves me. And we've heard that like our whole life, right? Of, yeah, I know that Jesus loves me. I know that He died on the cross for me. But just for tonight and the rest of this weekend, I want you to actually really ponder what that actually means. And, the, and like the magnitude of what that actually means, that the Lord of the universe loves you and that He sees you. And so the reason I call it, or want to talk about the disciple that Jesus loves, each one of you is the disciple that Jesus loves. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are the disciple that Jesus loves. And where that comes from is in the Gospel of John. John describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loves. And he, never, he doesn't refer to himself as John when he's talking about himself in his gospel, but he gives himself the nickname, I am the disciple that Jesus loves. And I've heard people take that the wrong way of like, oh, like, was he actually the disciple that, like, he was the one. He was the top one that Jesus loved, but that's not the case. Truly, he understood his identity was in the fact that Jesus loved him. It wasn't based on what he did wasn't based on how well he could preach. It wasn't based on how well he could advance the gospel or even how much he loved Jesus. But it was truly based on how much Jesus loved him. And that's important for us to understand, and we'll get into more of that later. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them out. We're going to turn to Ephesians 3.14. Ephesians 3.14, we're going to read through verse 21. And it says this, 
For this reason I kneel before the Father. I'm sorry, let me back it up. This is Paul speaking. And so just to give it a little context, Paul is speaking to a church in Ephesus. And right now when he's writing this, he's sitting in a prison cell. Okay, so keep that in mind as he's as this. And this is a prayer to the church um, in Ephesus. And it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches we may strengthen you with power through the, through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him who, who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. And I want to reread chapter, or verse 17, and it says this, So Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, and verse 18 says, May have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ. So in verse 17 it says that we should be rooted and established in love. And so love... The love of Christ and how Jesus sees you, how Jesus sees me, that is our foundation, right? It has nothing to do with how good we are, what we do for the Lord, or how bad we are, right? It is truly rooted in found, and our foundation is in the love that Jesus has for us. And so what does it mean to be rooted, right? And so when we think of a tree or a plant, right, they are rooted. And as that tree or plant grows and gets older and older, those roots grow deeper and deeper and deeper, right? And so the same thing with us. In our walk with the Lord, we get to grow and know more about how much the Lord loves us deeper and deeper and deeper. This isn't something that we're like, oh yeah, I know that Jesus loves me. But if that is our root and our foundation, then this is a lifelong journey as well as an eternity-long journey of us getting to learn and grow our roots deeper and deeper and deeper into the foundation that Jesus loves me. Simple as that. And we can make it all complicated in our walk with Jesus and everything, but truly, that's what it is. That is our, that is our foundation and what we root ourselves in. It's just growing deeper and deeper and how much Jesus loves you. So guys, don't miss this because that is our foundation. We can also see in verse 19, let me read it again. Um, and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So how do we get filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? By knowing Jesus loves me. So let's take him at his word right here. Okay, so he's not saying, I need you to attend all the church services. I need you to memorize all the verses. I need you to spend this much time with me every day. No, he's literally just saying, for me to understand the fullness of God and to accept the fullness of God is me understanding 
the love that God has for me. So this is so much deeper and bigger than me just saying, yes, Jesus loves me. But it's me growing in my root and my foundation in who Jesus, who, how Jesus sees me. And that is how I see the measure of, the fullness, of all the fullness of God is understanding that love. And being rooted in this love dictates how you respond and your perspective to when you will ultimately fail God. Because we're all not perfect, right? Um, And so what I'm talking about is in that moment when you are feeling the most shame, when you did that thing that you promised you'd never do again, or even when things in in, in the world stop making sense. Or they're like, why God? When you're asking that why question, why God did this happen? You understanding and being rooted in Christ's love determines how you'll respond. You'll respond in one or two ways, right? It's one, you either turn and run, which is what the enemy wants you to do and what the enemy tries to get you to do. Or two, you'll turn and move towards God. And so I don't know about you guys, but when I do mess up, or when I do feel like I fail the Lord, I want, like, you don't want to run to the Lord oftentimes. You want to turn because you feel shameful to go before the King, right? But that's not what this verse is saying. And when we're rooted in love, no matter how badly we fail the Lord or what happens, we can always turn back towards Him, right? And continue to walk towards Him because we are rooted and our foundation is in love. And so we can see this in two disciples um, that I want to talk about today, one being John, who we already talked about a little bit, and one being Peter. So John was one of Jesus' closest friends, um, probably top three, based on some of the things that him and James and Peter got to do with Jesus. Um, He gave himself the name, the disciple that Jesus loved, and because he understood that his whole identity is based on that. And then Peter. Everybody knows who Peter is. Peter also, one of Jesus' closest friends, closest disciples, and walked with him um, for years and got to walk with him from the time, pretty much the time Jesus started his, his ministry to his death and through the resurrection. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about the end of Jesus' life. So Um, At the end of Jesus' life, before he goes to the cross, raises again three days later, he decides he wants to have dinner with his disciples um, and and get to commune with the people that has been closest to him for the past three years. And so he takes them to dinner, all that. They do the Last Supper. After that, they go um, into a garden where Jesus and his disciples are praying, right? During that time, Judas brings the platoon of soldiers to come and arrest him and Jesus gets arrested when Jesus gets arrested his 12 closest disciples all of them abandon him they all scatter right and literally if you look in Luke which we'll turn there in a second in the same chapter Jesus predicts this he's like you guys we're about to I'm about to get arrested. Uh, it's going to be really bad. All of you guys are going to leave me. And they're all like, no, no. I'll, I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. 
Literally in the same chapter, a few verses later, we see all of, their, all of the disciples leave them. When Jesus needs his closest friends the most, they all leave them. He, they all leave Jesus. And so Jesus, the rest of the night, gets ridiculed and beaten, taken to the cross. And we see one disciple who's, one of his disciples is described as being with Jesus at the cross. And that's John. And so what allowed John, after he just abandoned his Savior, after he just abandoned the one that he's been following the last three years, what brings John back to the cross and at Jesus' feet? And that's his knowledge and and that he knows that Jesus loves him and it has nothing to do with what he has done, right? Because if it was up to what he has done, he has no business being there. He had already abandoned his king, but yet he knows that he can still approach Jesus. And in the end, one of the most special moments, uh, to me at least in the Bible, is one one of the last, if not the last thing that Jesus did is he gave... Uh, responsibility to John to take care of his mom. And so he's hanging there on the cross and he sees his mom there and he sees the disciple that Jesus loves and he's like, I need you to take care of my mom. And guys, he does the same thing with us, right? He sees the, the disciple that Jesus loves and he's like, hey, I need you to take care of my flock. I need you to take care of my people. I need you to take care of the people that don't know me, right? Because you are the disciple that Jesus loves. And the same is true for us. It's like no matter how much we turn away or we fail the Lord, because you are the disciple that Jesus loves, not the disciple that loves Jesus, but the disciple that Jesus loves, you can approach Him. You can always approach and be in His presence, even though we don't deserve it. And so let's talk about Peter a little bit. And I want, I want everybody to turn to Luke 22. Luke twenty two fifty four. So just give it a little back. Um, again, Jesus gets arrested, um, and they take him. He goes. They take him, and so Peter and John, they leave him, and then Peter kind of follows him, and so does John, through the whole thing. And and this is where it picks up. It says, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, but but when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said, talking about Jesus. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are, you also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with, was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. 
Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will dis- disown me three times. And he went outside and, and wept bitterly. So we see, again, Peter, first off, literally like a couple hours before, abandoned Jesus, right? But then he's like, all right, he, he kind of gets up the courage to follow the, the crowd, right? Follow Jesus. And um, he follows Jesus and then... He disowns him three times, doesn't even, doesn't even recognize that he knows Jesus. And in verse, six, verse 60, this is like one of the, verse 60 and 61 is one of the verses that sticks me the most. And it says, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And... I just want to share a little bit about what the Lord's been showing me about this verse specifically. Is I was one time I was just sitting with the Lord and I was asking him, like, Lord, what what is love? And I was literally that was the question. And I was just sitting there, and the Lord told me the rooster crow. I was like, huh, that's interesting. So he brought up in my mind like this story. So I turned to this story. Um, and read through it, but I just want to read exactly what the Lord said um, from what I wrote down so I don't mess it up. So, this is what the Lord told me, the rooster crowed. So I turned to Luke where Peter disowned Jesus. For a long time, I always thought when it said Jesus looked straight at Peter, I imagined Jesus looking at him with such like pain and hurt because his best friend just disowned him, right? And so you can imagine the time, like if you're in Jesus' shoes and you're, all of your best friends leave you and then your best friend disowns you, imagine the pain and hurt that must have been. But the Lord showed me that Jesus looked at him with intense compassion and sympathy. When Jesus looked at Peter, he looked at him with compassion and sympathy. He knew the pain that this moment was going to cause Peter And his only concern was Peter. That struck Peter deeper than anything else. Peter left weeping bitterly, but he came back. Because he saw the compassion and love in Jesus' eyes, that that in and of itself drew him back to Jesus. Jesus knew that this is not how it was designed to be. Jesus designed, or the world was designed for us to be in relationship with Jesus. That's the original design. And so this pain and this hurt and this guilt and this shame that we experience in this world, that was not how it was designed to be. And Jesus, and Jesus knew that he was, that is not how it was designed to be. And he looked on Peter with compassion and love. In this text, it says, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And it says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. It, doesn't, it says the Lord, not Jesus in this moment. It says, The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And guys, the same thing happened the moment that sin entered the world and sin entered my life and sin entered your life. The Lord looked straight at you. He wasn't disgusted by the sin or by your shame or by how bad you messed up, but He looked straight at you. And Jesus, the Lord, turned and looked straight at us 
but not with pain or hurt by the way that we hurt him, but with, with, with compassion and love because he knows it was never supposed to be this way. And then Jesus turns. He says, not my will be done, but yours. And he proceeds. And that is how much Jesus loves you. And that is what brings John back to the cross. And that is what brings Peter from disowning him three times, leaving him weeping, what brings Peter back to being this apostle that spreads the gospel all over the, the nations, right? And like establishes the first church because they realize it has nothing to do with me, it has nothing to do with how well I perform or how well I can perform for the Lord, but everything to do with Jesus loves me, and that's it. And I can have all of my identity in that. And so what is leading you back to the cross? And if it's anything else but just being established in love, and I challenge you tonight to go ahead and lay that down and realize that there's nothing else but truly that Jesus loves me, that Jesus loves you. Okay? So I'd like for each of us just to spend a little bit of time with the Lord right now. And I, and something that a lot of our good friend um, Tommy Spencer says is that God gave us an imagination for a reason. So I would just challenge you right now. I want you to even just close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself as Peter in this situation. And each of you knows exactly what it feels like, that sin and that shame and that heaviness that the enemy tries to put on you when you fail or when you fail the Lord, or, or whatever the case may be, and you know what that feels like. And I want you to imagine Jesus' face when He looks at you, full of intense compassion and sympathy for you. And I want you to see the love in His eyes that He has for you. And He's looking right at you. He's not disgusted by the sin or the shame or what you've done in your past or what you're going to do in your future, but He's looking right at you. And He loves you. And guys, just as what, just as what we were talking about is that nothing else matters except that Jesus loves you. And imagine what that would look like if we actually walked that out in our everyday life. How would we act differently? How would we treat others differently if we truly just walked out? Nothing else matters, but Jesus loves me. Okay, and we're also just going to sit here for a second. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you say about me? How do you see me? And guys, we can talk. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we can talk to God just as I'm talking to you right now. So I want you to ask Him, Lord, how do you see me? And then I want you to be quiet. And then whatever comes to your mind, He's only going to speak life over you. But I want you to write that down if you can. And guys, we're about to go back into worship here in just a second. Um, but 
please don't look over this and just be like, yeah, I know that Jesus loves me. But our root and our foundation is in that fact alone. And so continue to ask the Lord, how do you see me? And, and He will remind you of the love that He has for you. And just another point, if, you, if you've um, never really heard from the Lord or you're having trouble hearing from the Lord, this is a great way to do it, of just sitting down, asking one question, Lord, how do you see me? And then what comes to your mind, you can write it down. And you will be amazed at what the Lord shows you and speaks to you through that. So I'd encourage you to do that. You've been listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.